David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, hey, David Thomas. Hey, Sissy Goff. I'm so excited to talk about stage two. We're always excited to talk we about stage are. two, aren't we? Yes. These amazing littles. They're so fun. They're so fun. Actually, girls start to get not so fun every once in a while in this window. But by and large, they're so fun. Boys are really fun. Yes. This is the pocket where I often say if I could freeze a boy in his development, I would freeze him in stage two. I would agree about girls too. Yeah. But I do think we've got to be aware that there's a little bit of teenagery creeping in for girls. Not so much boys at this point. I read recently that 15% of girls are starting their periods today by the age of seven. My goodness. I know. So definitely we've got some hormones creeping in that are impacting the emotions of girls in this stage. But by and large, it's such a rich time. It is. You call it what? The lover stage. And I call it the adventurous years. Why do you call it the lover? Because boys are so tender and loving. Mm. They are full of emotions. I have a lot of conversations with parents of boys in this age where they will say things like, he loves big <laughs> and he melts down big. Like it's <laughs> both sides. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the girls, I call it the adventurous years because I just think that's such a rich part of the season where they're not self-conscious, like they're going to be so much in the next stage of life. I always think about the girls in movies. You know, if you think about a movie with a main character that's a girl, really, most of the time she's this age. Like, okay, let's throw out some. My girl. Yes. Win dixie because of Win dixie Kit Kittredge. All the American Girl ones. Yes. So, I mean, really, and, and the reality 
Yes, I think none of us want to watch a 13-year-old girl for two hours. We would be miserable. <laughs> no, we don't. But most movies where the main character is a girl, I think she's in this window because they are adventurous. I think of those girls on their bikes, pedaling as hard and fast as they can, slinging mud up on the boys behind them, not thinking a thing about it. It's just such a sweet, rich time. Yes. So many good things. Okay, I want you to tell a story that kind of defines this time period in your life. Mm. You know, if I were to think back on this stretch for me, I discovered the Hardy Boys books in oh, this stage. Man. And I would collect every single one of them over the years. I would save up my money and I had the whole hardback collection. And Luke? I, yes. 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 And I could not Nancy wait to get yelling. the next. I know. I couldn't wait to get the next one. And my friends and I would play detective. Like we would pretend oh. we're the Hardy Boys and we would come up with these adventure, something we needed to, you know, be detectives to find out. And I have so many positive memories when I think on both those books and that time and mm. the imaginative play that I think spills out of boys in yes. stage two. Yes. What about for you? Well, that took me back to a lot of fun neighborhood memories, things like that, that I don't think kids get as much these days. But okay, so my most defining memory of that time, which I think is interesting, because I think it it really reflects two different parts of my personality. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. I can't wait to hear. Well, I, so I was an only child, you know, till 16. And I would wake up. I loved to get up and watch cartoons on Saturday mornings, as did, I think, everyone on the planet. And because I was an only child, my mom was my playmate most of the time. So she would wake up and watch cartoons with me. And there was a Saturday morning that I woke up and my mom didn't. And this is not going anywhere bad. I promise that sounded scary, but my mom didn't. And so I started getting nervous. Didn't hear her. I may have knocked on the door. I'm sure, surely I knocked on the door. Didn't hear a thing. Have I told you this? No. Got more and more nervous. I think I tried to make myself watch one more Casper waiting. Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Yeah. Who knows what I was watching? Scooby-Doo. And and then I got really anxious. It's the first memory I have, I think, of being afraid mm. or anxious as a kid. And I mean, I bet I was six, seven at the most. And I we had this L-shaped hall. And I got in the corner of the hall because their bedroom was at the other door. And I ran as hard and fast as I could to my parents' bedroom door because it was locked. Oh, no. <laughs> I threw my body into the door, and the door broke open. And oh, no. I don't even know what to say to keep it PG <laughs> from that point. I don't. The great news is I remember nothing past the emotion of being afraid and running towards the door. So, you know, no trauma with the capital T, little t, any of those things. But I think... I have a friend who used to say, there's your Mickey Mouse pajamas, because when my determination would come out in that way, and I think it was a picture of that, my fear and my determination, sometimes the two paired together. But I think that's, that is a picture of that age, because we're going to talk about anxiety and the average age of onset, and that these girls are full of some of their best stuff, and they have willpower and strength that we want to really enjoy and call out in them, but... <laughs> Mine, I don't know if I was really wearing Mickey Mouse pajamas, but I, I think that was probably more traumatic experience for my parents than it was for me. But I, I do remember that day well. 
your mom was maybe wishing she had met our friends Megan and Mary Flo of Birds and Bees, <laughs> who could have helped out after that exchange. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Okay, will you talk a little bit about these guys? I want to hear more about them because I have a nephew who enters this phase in November. So I am listening for all the lover material. Well, I was thinking that one of your favorite humans on the planet is yes. headed into the best stage. Oh, so excited. I was with our friend Gina Muncie this week, and I think she said four different times, there is nothing better on the planet than a five-year-old boy. No, I don't think there is. I really don't. Like, it is so much goodness wrapped up inside this little body. And yeah, I, I have long said that if I had ever been a teacher, I would have absolutely wanted to be a kindergarten or first grade teacher. Like, I just love boys in that space so much. And I'm so excited Henry's headed into this territory. And the reason I do, if I were going to say a couple of things that he is, I would say first and foremost, he is tender. It's why I call it the lover stage. You know, he is tender and aware. And I think it's why when you and I travel around the country and do in-services with educators, we so commonly find kindergarten and first grade teachers who've been doing it for 20, 25, 30 plus years. Yes. I think they can stay in the profession for so long with kids in that space. We just because, had some on the yes, interview. Absolutely. Some because yes. kids are so tender in that space. And it is much harder to come by a seventh grade teacher who's been at it for 30 plus years. <laughs> and when we meet them, we just kneel in reverence, don't we? Because right. that is heroic is what that is. But what I would say to this tenderness is that we know that when a kid's not just boys, but when a kid's basic emotional needs are met in this space, this immense kindness can emerge from them. Mm. And, and so I think it's so often why we get so much of that goodness and and what accompanies that or what's going along with that is that he's also obedient. Now, he's not always tender and he's not always obedient, but it is to say that much of his sense of self-respect in this space grows from respecting authority. So you talk so much with girls about that innate desire to please. Yes. And I laugh a lot with parents of boys wishing there was maybe a little bit more of that <laughs> in boys, less of that pushing mm -hmm. against boundaries and more mm -hmm. of that desire. But I would say if there was ever a peak point for boys in terms of a desire to please, I think it's stage two. I think he has all that heightened awareness and that desire that he wants to be seen as okay in the eyes of the grownups that matter to him. So his teachers, his coaches, his parents, his grandparents, you know, he wants to really feel like I'm doing the right thing. I'm following through with what's required of me and the grownups around me are okay with me, which is why I spent so much time in stage one. And if you missed that episode, go back and listen. No matter how old your boys are. Yeah. Talking about how to engage him differently, because if the most of what he's bumping up against in this stage is this frustration or this exasperation, and he feels like, I'm not hitting the mark. I'm not doing what's required of me. Then I think boys can take some real hits to their sense of self in stage mm -hmm. two. And, and so I think that's where we want to really be thinking about the environments and, and are they boy friendly? Like, have we created enough space for him to run, to run? And have we put a lot of the breakable things up high so that we're not constantly saying, no, don't quit, stop touching those sorts of things. So that in this space, when that matters so greatly, he really does feel like 
the grown-ups feel like I'm doing okay. David, we talk a lot about health as we're getting older, don't we? More than I'd like to. (laughs) We're always looking for ways to optimize our health. And recently, we've discovered a brand that we are super excited about. It's called Armbra Colostrum. I am always looking for something to help boost my metabolism. Everything just seems to slow down in this stage of life, doesn't it? (laughs) Some things slow down, some things speed up. But colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and contains all the essential nutrients our bodies need in order to thrive. Armra Colostrum harnesses over 400 living, bioactive nutrients that rebuild the barriers of your body and fuel cellular health to strengthen immunity, ignite metabolism, fight inflammation, fortify gut health, activate hair growth and skin radiance, power fitness performance and recovery, and offer powerful anti-aging benefits. Sissy, I put some in my smoothie and I saw you looking at my hair the other day. You're thinking it's looking good, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, I do. Well, now you know. Armra is wholly natural, sustainable, and was developed with the highest integrity from start to finish. Armra uses sustainably sourced colostrum from grass-fed cows. We've worked out a special offer for our audience. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash RBG or enter RBG to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash RBG. Sissy, did I tell you I almost missed my flight the other day? I had to run to catch the plane, which is very hard for me at this age. (laughs) David, I don't know how you're keeping up with your crazy travel schedule. Well, I'll tell you what's helping. My liquid IV. Hydration is not just for athletes. It is important for anyone with a busy full life. So that is basically all of us these days. Liquid IV makes hydrating so easy. With just one stick, you can hydrate two times faster than with water alone. Plus, get essential vitamins and three times the electrolytes as leading sports drinks. Liquid IV comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. And now their hydration multiplier comes in three delicious, sugar-free flavors, white peach, green grape, and lemon lime, which I love, with no artificial sweeteners. I'm loving the white peach flavor right now. And Liquid IV's packaging is so convenient. I keep it at my desk, in my car, and in my work bag, so I've always got one or two on hand. I love that Liquid IV contains eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, plus it replaces sugar with a proprietary amino acid allulose blend. Allulose is a naturally occurring sweetener with the same sweet taste and texture you get from table sugar, so it tastes great. Grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code RBG at checkout. That's 20% off anything when you shop better hydration today using promo code RBG at liquidiv.com. David, did you get your taxes finished? What did you say? (laughs) What are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. 
Where'd you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. (laughs) From pets to kids to grownups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. I honestly could talk all day long about boys in this space. Mm-hmm. I, I love them so much. And I love in particular for moms listening to see all the evidence of we talked in stage one about how you're like the center of his universe. And I think that just spills right over into this stage as well, that I think boys are so in love with their moms in this space. And so it's it's not to say dads that they aren't drawn to our attention and affection and affirmation and all those things. But it is to say there is still just this sweetness that I think happens between boys and moms in this space before he moves into that more complicated mid and pre and mid adolescent stretch where he's going to start doing a little pulling away. Mm -hmm. So moms, I want you to soak him up and, and soak up his playful, imaginative, often dressed in costume (laughs) self. That's my other favorite thing about boys in this Mm -hmm. space um, is that desire to so often be in costume or dress like a superhero. Now, I do want to say this last thing about the obedience piece that I didn't mention. Um, he is a little bit of a sheriff. We think about costumes. He's a little bit of a sheriff in this stage. And the other thing that I failed to mention about the obedience piece is that his moral compass is as finely tuned as it will ever be. So he's a heightened sense of right and wrong, good and fair, and he will draw great attention to things that are unfair or aren't just. And so back to the sheriff piece, I often will have parents tell me that, you know, they'll be 
driving down the interstate and he's looking over your shoulder and will say things like, you're going 72, you're going 72. We're going to get arrested. You know, there's this fear of doing the wrong thing that, again, is at a peak point right now. And if you give a bigger scoop of ice cream to his sister than you did to him, he's going to call that out. He just notices all these things in this particular space that is out of this kind of heightened sense of morality. Now, the upside of that, the good of that is that his intellect and his spiritual competency are expanding at an explosive rate. And so it's one of my favorite times to have conversations with boys about their faith. And I, if you have a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible, I don't think you can read it too much with boys in this space. Because when his little, yes, when his little mind wraps itself around those stories of, you know, Jonah and the well and David and Goliath, I think it just takes off when that, you know, imaginative piece enters into the equation. So I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop there because I want us to talk about stage two girls. Uh, tell me your words again. He is tender and obedient. Tender and obedient. Well, I would say she is relational and fearful. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll start with the fearful piece of it. So we have talked about anxiety a good bit on this podcast over the years, and I don't think we can talk about it enough. And to even think about it at more regular intervals with the girls and boys that we love both, because we're just continuing to see the numbers rise. We are now one in four children, one in three adolescents, and girls are twice as likely as boys. But like we've talked about, boys are taken in to get help more. And so we need to be really dialed in to what's going on with her and aware of our responses and how we're handling it with her. The average age of onset used to be eight. Now it's seven. So it is right in the midst of these adventurous years. And and I mentioned she's not self-conscious, but she is fearful. And I mean, I... I would say it's not just daily. It's 95% of my conversations with parents of little girls this age are coming in for this reason. And they're saying things like, well, she won't go upstairs to take a shower if I don't go upstairs with her. You know, they don't even want to be on a different floor as their parents because the the fear comes in of what's in the dark, of just being away from their mom or dad. There's so many different things. And, and so I think, I don't know how many of you all listening went through a phase. I think we want to be aware that there's going to be some normal fear that's just appropriate, develop, appropriate developmentally. I can't even say those two words together. So there's just some normal fear that she's going to go through. And when we get concerned is when she gets stuck. But in the midst of the normal fear, our response is really important. And so one of the things that I think is going on for her in this stage is She is still very concrete in her thinking, just like he is. She is, her imagination is off the charts. So she is picturing monsters under her bed. She's picturing the things that go bump in the night, all of that. And she's all of a sudden old enough that when she walks through the living room, I don't know that he does this quite yet, but when she walks through the living room and the news is on, she is very in tune to what's going on. So when something's going on in our cities, and our country, they're just aware of that. And so I think all those things come together to create this perfect storm that is anxiety for girls. And, and I also think hormones are just starting to enter their brains and hormones and anxiety are very tied together. At this stage, again, when she starts her period, it is all throughout our lives, I believe, as women. So let me give myself as an example, because I was, like I said, I was fearful in this stage of life. And I had this very elaborate routine that I would ask my mom to go through. And what I have learned 
doing this work, we both learned in all these years, is that the bedtime routines that kids create are to keep them safe. In their minds, I have to say this, and then you have to say that, and then you turn off the light, and then you say the last thing because I feel safe in that structure and sameness, the routine of it. And so we had a routine that we did every night, my mom and I. I would ask her, she would, I would have her look under my bed, pull up the bed skirt, look under the bed, and she would open, I can still picture the mirrored doors of my closet, that she would open the closet, make sure nothing was in there, shut the doors, and then she would sit on my bed and we would pray, now I'll lay me down to sleep in the Lord's Prayer. And and it wasn't until I was an adult and seeing a counselor myself, partly for anxiety, that the counselor said to me, Sissy, I'm not sure why your mom looked which had not even occurred to me until that moment that what my mom was doing, not on purpose, but when she picked up the bed skirt, when she opened the closet door, she was saying, yeah, you're right. A monster could be down there or a witch could be in your closet, which were the things I was most afraid of. So I'm going to check before you go to bed. I'm, you know, really, she was just trying to probably get me quiet <laughs> to bed, but it validated the fear to some degree. And, and, through my counselor, I got to a place where I realized what I wish my mom had done would have been to sit on the bed and say, sissy, monsters don't exist. There are not witches. You are completely safe. God is protecting you. He is in the front of the line protecting you. And your dad and I are right behind him. And you're okay. Yes. Maybe taught me some breathing. Maybe taught me some grounding techniques. Three doors that we love with kids who are trying to fall asleep. But I think it's so easy to fall into what's considered the content trap. I'm going to come back to that. So we were teaching this class once, a parenting seminar, and I had a mom who came up and she said, that thing your mom did. She said, I totally did that with my daughter. And I got a can of hairspray and I wrote monster repellent on it. And every time before bed, I would spray monster repellent all over our room. And she said, sissy, it worked. Well, again, they're literal in their thinking. They're imaginative. Of course it worked. And my immediate thought was... <laughs> Can you imagine that girl when she had sleepovers? What? I'm supposed to go to bed at your house and you don't have monster repellent? How will I ever be able to sleep? <laughs> Poor thing. And again, that sweet mom was doing the same thing. She was validating, maybe we do need to fumigate for monsters in here tonight. Not intending. So they need, because they're so concrete in their thinking, they need us to have concrete responses in how we talk through. And we need to give them tools to work through the worry and anxiety. David, you know, I don't go anywhere these days without my Beekeepers Naturals Propolis throat spray. I saw you spraying the other day. <laughs> oh. Me either. It's not just for scratchy throats. You can also use it to proactively support your immune system. I love that it provides daily proactive immune support that soothes your throat and tastes good. It's no wonder they've sold almost 2 million bottles. Beekeepers Naturals Propolis Throat Spray is available in adult and kids versions, and they also have throat soothing lollipops for kids and people in their 50s that provide <laughs> propolis, vitamin D, zinc, and wildflower honey. Plus, they taste great and have only two grams of sugar in each serving. That's 50% less sugar than the leading lozenge lollipop. Say that 10 times, sissy. <laughs> I'm going to not say it, but I'm going to keep a stack of them at my house for Good my next call. pumpkin party with the boys. Good call. Pack a bottle of throat spray or a few lollipops in your kids' backpacks, your work bag, or your purse so you always have it on hand. Today, Beekeepers Naturals is offering you an exclusive offer 
go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash RBG or enter code RBG to get 20% off your order. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash RBG or enter code RBG. You did a great job with those letters. (laughs) Beekeepers Naturals products are also available at Target, Whole Foods, Amazon, CVS, and Walgreens. Sissy, what's it like watching the boys now that the weather is turning cooler? I'm just checking on you because I know how hard it is when boys are cooped up in the house. (laughs) It sometimes is, but I would say we're really fine because Henry's got KiwiCo to keep him busy. Last week, we made a rubber band race car and he was thrilled. That sounds like it was right up his alley. KiwiCo really does have something for every kid no matter their age or interest. Christmas is right around the corner and KiwiCo makes the best gift. A subscription to KiwiCo is like the gift that keeps on giving. Literally, for months and even years beyond, because kids learn new skills from their KiwiCo projects that will follow them through life. Giving KiwiCo is like giving the gift of discovery through hands-on experiences, allowing kids to learn about topics that they love, from dinosaurs to rocket ships. There is something for kids of all ages, from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. Sissy, I made a wooden ukulele recently, and we could start a folk band. (laughs) I love that idea. (laughs) KiwiCo is a gift that will get kids off screens and into some seriously fun learning. And grownups too, obviously. With a KiwiCo subscription, there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. Give the gift of hands-on fun with KiwiCo. Just in time for the holiday shopping, we've got an incredible deal for our listeners. Get your first month free on any crate line at kiwico.com slash RBG. That's your first month free at kiwico.com slash RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater child care needs in the summer, and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. 
everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash RVG to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash RBG to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash RBG. One of the biggest mistakes that we make is falling into what's considered the content trap. And that is basically, you know, y'all have heard us talk about it. The one loop roller coaster kids get on when they start to be afraid. And they're afraid of monsters. They're afraid of being away from you. They're afraid of throwing up because someone threw up at the birthday party. And they can't stop talking about it. And often we go down the rabbit trail with them of, you're not going to throw up. You don't have a tummy virus. You're feeling fine. Well, that's not going to work if they have a tummy virus next week and they feel anxious. Or, as you all know, we can track that looping thought with their development. And what happens is it becomes like whack-a-mole. And I didn't stay afraid of going to sleep. I became afraid of something like else six months later or a year later. And then I became afraid of something else. And that's what kids do. It moves from monsters to airplanes to throwing up to being embarrassed in front of their friends, basically the scariest thing they can imagine developmentally. And so when we teach them tools like RN Strong and Smart for boys, because boys do feel anxiety too. Yes. They struggle with it too, more than ever. And Braver, Stronger, Smarter. It's why yes. we wrote both of those books. The tools are in there. When we can give them concrete tools and not fall into the concrete trap, we're preparing them to handle anxiety preventatively, no matter how it shows up. And that's what they need. Those tools are going to equip them for life, not just the bedtime blues of feeling afraid to fall asleep. And so we want to think about number one in those times, not being afraid of, I mean, not falling into the content trap. Number two, y'all, I think hands down the other thing we would say that you all have heard us say in the last few months is they need you to do your own work. That yes. is one of the best gifts we can give kids. And and we sit, I mean, daily, we're having conversations with parents who either are aware that their anxiety is rippling over and, and are wanting to do something different or aren't. Yes. And they see their kids as anxious and want us to fix their kids. And they're not aware that they're a part of the equation and, and a really important part of the equation because you say all the time, kids learn more from observation than information. And that's true in terms of anxiety too. It trickles down. And so we've got to do our own work. So number one, fearful. Oh, I guess I should say, so maybe grab a copy of The Worry-Free Parent if you don't have it already. Because yes. I think it will help in terms of doing your own work. Absolutely grab a copy of that book. And y'all, I want to say, when we are talking like this, like when we're recommending our books, we are always writing books based on what we're seeing the most. And so yes. we really are not just trying to sell you our books. We're trying to say these are resources we wrote in response to these issues because yeah. they're the things we're doing in our counseling office all the time. We joke about this is the first six weeks of counseling for free or for $15 Absolutely. if you buy a book. And so that's why we're recommending those. 
Okay, number two, she is relational. She's so many things, but she is relational also. And we talked about how that was going to be defining for girls across every stage of their development. In this window, I always think this is the age where she wants to buy the little necklace that divides in two. And she she wants to keep B-E-F-R and she wants to have a little best friend that she can give S-T-I-N-D. And, and we see a lot of girls who don't have a best friend in this window start to take and really struggle emotionally. And so we want to be aware of helping her not only develop friendships, because that is important. Start now letting your house be the, the fun house, the house that other kids want to come to, whatever that looks like, that you have taco nights, that you let them, you get a ping pong table, whatever it is they might want to do, boys and girls. Yes. We want to have the the house in the neighborhood that the kids want to congregate in because then not only when we invest in the lives of our kids' friends, we're investing in our kids because that is one of their greatest currencies. But also, you know more of what's going on in the lives of your kids. And so think about what you can do strategically to have kids over more because, two, you're letting them build friendships. And we're not just building their friendships. We're building their friendship skills. Mm. And post-COVID... In this day and time, I mean, I think we both have never seen as much social anxiety among kids, but also as many kids who are behind in their social development. Yes. And that coupled with, I'm throwing a lot of things out, that coupled with some of the entitlement that we're still seeing as a result of COVID and the lack of having to accommodate other people, I think is impacting kids' ability to have reciprocity, which we talk so much about in Are My Kids on Track? And so I think to think about how to help develop their skills in terms of engaging friendships, inviting friendships, developing friendships, boundaries and friendships, reciprocity, all of those things. I talk so much with girls at this stage about strength and kindness, because I think most girls in elementary school, let's let's tell the truth, most women all ages, we struggle to be more strong or kind. We naturally lean one way or the other. We don't do both very well. And so helping kids in these years learn to say things like, I want to play with you, but not when you treat me like that. To kids who aren't as kind to them. I would love to be your friend. I'm not friends with people who treat me that way. Is basically, can you even imagine if you had learned those skills at eight? Or 18 instead of 38, 48, 53. You know, I'm still learning them today. And so using a template and circling back to her for years of strength and kindness. What does it look like to have strength and kindness that it's both things? I think that's so important. Things like I talk with girls a lot about balcony friendships. It's one of my favorite things to talk to them about. I read a book a long time ago called Balcony People that basically talks about the verse about running the race set before us and the people that are cheering for us on the balcony and how we have balcony friends. And then we have basement friends that are the kind of people that try and grab your ankles and pull you down. I don't believe either of those are more true than for girls in their growing up years. And then there was a girl at Daystar who said to her counselor, what about the roller coaster friends that go balcony to basement, balcony to basement? And so I think that's another template we can use with girls to say, who are your balcony friends? Who are your basement friends? And who are your roller coaster friends? Because we want them to be connecting the dots to what healthy friendship looks like. And the last thing I would say that I think is really important in friendships in these years is that idea of there are two sides to every street. And 
And I really, I, I wonder if you would say this is true about boys. I have never seen a generation of parents who are trying as hard as they possibly can to support their kids and who are sometimes allowing their kids to get stuck and thinking it's everyone else's fault. Yes. That it's not that I have problems sometimes making or maintaining friends. It's that my friends are the problem. And so being aware of helping them see, could they have contributed to what's going on right now? And we always want to start with a lot of empathy. We really want to start with hearing their side. And then to say something like, you know, I mean, because this is certainly true for me as an adult. I have, I don't know that I remember telling someone that they hurt my feelings without them saying I hurt theirs too. And to say that to kids and to say, so I think, you know, we're always going to talk about it from both ways because there are two sides. And, and if you've already established that, then you could say, so what's the other side? And you can even do it in a kind, playful way. I remember a girl who was a senior in high school saying to me, Every time I told my mom I had conflict with a friend, she would say, what's your part in it? She said it made me crazy when I was a seventh grader, but I'm so glad she did it. By her senior year, it's going to take a long time for them to get there, but it is so important for us to help kids look at both sides because that is foundational for healthy relationships moving forward. And and right now, I believe we're raising a lot of kids who are going to have a hard time knowing how to work through conflict and knowing how to take ownership because, because they're not learning early on. So let's talk about strength and kindness. Let's talk about balcony friends and let's talk about two sides to every street in these important relational building years for girls. I put this great quote in raising emotionally strong boys. You made me think of it then that I learned from a school administrator that I love who says, Assume the best, be curious about the rest. Mm. And I love that. Mm. And and she talks about it in the context of parents taking that approach with teachers. If your kids come home and are like, my teacher, da, 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 da. And how could you assume the best about that teacher and be yes. curious about the rest? Like maybe you're not getting the whole story. Maybe they had a mm. contribution in that. And I think what a great thing to apply to friends too. Like what if I were to assume the best and be curious about the rest? Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe it wasn't about me. Maybe they weren't talking about me at all, but not making assumptions until we add a little curiosity into the mix. And I felt that in so much in what you were saying. Okay, so two practical takeaways for today. What if that's one? I love it. Think about a way you can assume the best and be curious about the rest. Two, we really want you to model healthy friendships. Yes. Same gender friendships for your kids because boys are really deepening their friendships in this window too. And they need to see us enjoy other people in our lives. Yes. And dads listening, you cannot talk enough about your friendships. Boys need to see that on grown men, the men they trust the most in this world, that they are men you love to spend time with and men who ask you hard questions and men that you share things about your life and help you brainstorm your way through places where you get stuck. I think moms, for the most part, I find do a really remarkable job in that place. And I think there's more work to do, dads, oftentimes for us. So get a babysitter, tell your spouse, Sissy and David said that I'm supposed to have a night out with my friends this week. We are your carte blanche to do it. It is so important. And y'all, we are cheering you on always. Yes, we are. 
If you are enjoying the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, click follow on your podcast listening app to subscribe and not miss an episode. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 